0: Hey
1: there, it's the Trista and the fellow show
2: Zombie
1: See what else is going on in the world, man Oh, zombie
2: about Kelly Loeffler, corruption. Her husband Jeffrey Sprecher is the company's CEO. Loeffler faces Democrat <clears throat> Reverend Raphael Warnock in a January 5th runoff senatorial election that will determine which party controls the U.S. Senate. Everybody so far, call. 2.3 million people have cast ballots, which is a
1: record. Everybody call Congress and tell Loeffler and and uh, David Perdue to drop out of the race. Man, they're too corrupt to run. And then call call 202-224-3121 that's a, that's a number for congress okay and from that number 202 remember memorize it two zero two three oh or no two zero two three two two four, three one two one. 3121 okay memorize that and then call every day call religiously and um tell those senators Leffler Kelly Leffler and David Perdue to drop out Tell them they should be in jail, not running for reelection. They're criminals, uh, uh, insider traders, and and cap they exploited their insider information, from COVID briefings on the Hill, to make millions. And she's she's married to, the guy who owns the stock market. So it's not like they need any money. And uh, she and uh, David Perdue also an insider trader. Insider trader, get it, trader. Um, he made millions and he is the most prolific stock trader in the Congress
2: record for early voting in a Georgia runoff election and here in New York, a Boeing 737 MAX landed at LaGuardia Airport Tuesday in the jet's first commercial flight in the U.S. since it was grounded in March of last year following two deadly crashes that killed all 346 people on board. Yeah, nobody take that The flight. aircraft and updates to its automated flight control system were cleared by regulators in November. Fuck God. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The Quarantine Report. I'm Amy Goodman. As the United States reports world record deaths and hospitalizations from COVID-19 in the final days of 2020, we look at how the pandemic that's ravaged the country this year has shown stark new light on racism in medical care. We begin with a now viral video recorded by black physician Dr. Susan Moore and posted to her Facebook earlier this month in which she describes racist treatment by medical staff at a hospital in Indianapolis who did not respond to her pleas for care despite being in intense pain and being a doctor herself. Dr. Moore says she had to beg to receive the antiviral drug remdesivir and pain medication and accuses a doctor at Indiana University Health North Hospital of ignoring her pleas because she was black. This is Dr. Susan Moore as she summoned the energy to speak from her hospital bed days before she would die. She had an oxygen tube in her nose. At that time, I'd only received two treatments of the
1: remdesivir. He said, ah, you don't need it. You're not even short of breath. I said, yes, I am. And then he went on the same. Why didn't she get another doc- Amy, why didn't she ask for another doctor? And uh, why didn't she like uh, uh, you know put in a, plain a complaint or or have her family put in a complaint about this arsehole?
0: You don't qualify. Most of because um
1: I've gotten two treatments. And Then he further stated, you should just go home right now. should go and then go to another doctor. Fuck him. And I don't feel comfortable giving you any more narcotics. Fuck you. I was in so much pain from my neck. My neck hurt so bad. From what? I
3: was crushed. He made me feel like I was a drug addict. And he knew I was a physician.
0: I don't take
1: no pikes. was hurting. So, I was going to... oh, why, why didn't she say that? Why didn't she say that? My neck's hurt. I'm a doctor, fuckface. And my neck is hurting. Give me some of that shit. Or I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to call... um I'm going to call whatever the doctors call to, you know complain about each other, get his fucking medical license, license yanked. Fuck him. who left me wanting, um, there's not much I can do. So I started asking, send me to another hospital where they can treat me, if they're not gonna treat me here properly, send me to another hospital. What'd they say? What'd they say? Next thing I know, I'm getting a stat CT
0: of my neck with and without contrast. The CT went down a little bit into my lungs and you can see new pulmonary infiltrates, new uh, lymphadenopathy all throughout my neck. And all of a sudden, yes, we will treat your pain. You have to show proof that you have something wrong with you in order for you to get the medicine.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: I put forward and I maintain. Did,
1: didn't, why didn't, why did she, uh, submit to that CT without contrast or whatever? Why did she's a doctor. If I was white, I wouldn't have to go through that. The other thing that that white Dr. Bannock said was that if Bannick. I stayed, that he would send me home Saturday at 10 p.m. in the dark. Who does that? Nobody. On a week, who does that? Nobody. Fucking. This is how racist piece of shit. When you send them home, and they in the, don't the know night a fight for themselves. I had to talk to somebody, maybe the media, yeah, somebody, we'll talk to, to somebody. let people know how I'm being treated up in this place. What about your family? Why didn't your family do take you somewhere else? And he gladly told me, I know you're a doctor. So he you didn't want killed a the doctor. doctor. I have no medicine, nothing. And then, I had the nerve to say it's because of him, the nurse,
2: that I got the medicine.
1: Yeah. Pulled the Trump. Guess what? Because of you? Bet you he's... No. Bet you fucking $120 million. He's a Trump supporter. Should have gotten out of there while you were still alive. How about because I had that stacked CT of my neck where it showed all of that lymphadenopathy and, and infiltrates. Yeah, you didn't know about that? You didn't get that in report? That's what I say. To being black up in here,
3: this is what happens.
2: Dr. Susan Moore died due to complications from COVID-19 on December 20th. Just over two weeks after she recorded this video and posted it to her Facebook page. She was 52 years old. Her 19 year old son, Henry Muhammad, is now left to care for her parents who are both suffering from dementia. The president and CEO of Indiana University Health issued a statement in response to her death, saying the technical aspects of the treatment she received, quote, may not have shown the level of compassion and respect we strive for in understanding what matters most to patients, Dr. Moore's chilling message has been compared to the video of George Floyd begging for his life as he was killed by Minneapolis yep, police. Exactly when we is. come back, we'll speak to two leading black women doctors fighting racial disparities in health care. They co-wrote a piece in the Washington Post titled Say Her Name, Dr. Susan Moore. Stay with us. Ethereal Soul by Keon Harold. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The Quarantine Report. I'm Amy Goodman. As we just reported, the death of a black doctor from COVID-19 is shining stark new light on racism in medical care and how the virus is devastating black communities. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports black and Latinx people are dying of COVID-19 at a rate almost three times that of white Americans. Earlier this month, Dr. Susan Moore posted this now viral video on Facebook describing racist treatment by medical staff who did not respond to her pleas for care despite being in intense pain and being a doctor herself. She said in the video, this is how black people get killed. For more, we're joined by two of the black female physicians who wrote a Washington Post opinion piece headlined, Say Her Name, dr susan moore in it they write quote if anyone knew how to fight for herself it would have been more still she was sent home less than three weeks later she was dead the deaths of dr george floyd and so many others mistreated injured or killed at the hands of our policing system have made us accustomed to seeing the video but injustice and health care is rarely broadcast from cell phone videos or shared for thousands to witness they said Joining us in Atlanta is Dr. Kamara Phyllis Jones, family physician, epidemiologist, past president of the American Public Health Association. She teaches at Emory Rollins School of Public Health and the Morehouse School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia. And in Washington, DC, Dr. Joya Creer Perry is with us, president of the National Birth Equity Collaborative. We welcome you both to Democracy Now! Seeing that video that we just played of Dr. Susan Moore, she said, I put forth and I maintain if I was white, I wouldn't have to go through that. Doctor Kamara Phyllis Jones, if you would first talk about your response when you saw this heartbreaking, enraging video that Dr. Jones made that doctor Moore made from her hospital bed
3: just before she died. Well, first of all, hearing it again is making me um she was fighting for her life she many patients know that they're not getting they feel a little devalued but she knew exactly what she should have gotten and so she knew exactly how bad the treatment was and so here she was calling out racism and the people there were in some if
1: something like that happens again people should band together and help her out go pick her up pick her up and bring her to another hospital family should have stepped in somebody should have on facebook why the fuck didn't anybody on facebook say like hey sweetie we're gonna we're getting you a a, uh we're gonna move you to another hospital right now the the lift is on its way Intimidated,
3: they said in a later statement, intimidated by her, intimidating by her asking to be valued for her own full humanity. Since when do we have to uh, diminish ourselves um, and hope for scraps of care? So I was angry then. I'm angry now. It's another, just another naming of racism in this racist society. The racism is not limited to health care, it's not limited to policing. It's in education. It's in housing. It's everywhere. It's woven throughout the fabric of this nation. It's foundational in our history. Dr. Jones, doc-
1: this uh, this uh, hospital, Bannock. This doctor, Bannock. The hospital. Um, their phone numbers and uh, contact information should, you know, email and, um, like the state, what is it? The state board for certifying doctors, they should be contacted as well. Uh, this person should have their Bannock, Dr. Bannock should have his fucking license revoked and he should be sued for, for, um, uh, uh I'm not, a am not an expert, but it sounds like, uh, criminal, uh, neglect uh um malpractice and uh murder. Charge him with murder. And then also, you know, uh let attorney Ben Crump know that uh you're doing you're doing this. CC him too. Dr. Moore described how a white doctor
2: questioned the veracity of her pain. Dr. Moore said the doctor, quote, made me feel like I was a drug addict. And, quote, he did not even listen to my lungs. He didn't touch me in any way.
1: where you
3: go? Should have got the fuck out Uh, of there, man. So that also is typical. We know historically... Uh, There are these ideas of biological differences between the races, which do not exist. We have mapped the human genome, there's no basis in the human genome for biological subspecies, but people have since Marion Sims experimented and perfected his surgical techniques on enslaved women without using anesthesia up to the neglect of people with sickle cell anemia when they come in with pain and are uh, disbelieved or undertreated or people with kidney stones it is um, a typical and ongoing uh, devaluation of our lives and distrust of our word so let me
2: bring Dr. Joya Creer-Perry into this conversation. President of the National Birth Equity Collaborative. Can you talk mm-hmm. about... Here's an idea.
1: Here's an idea. How about, um, you know, because it's, uh, it's just so fucking impossible, apparently, for uh, people to get care. What about, like, as part of... Uh, what's that called? Uh, yeah, for enslavement um um oh no retribution um as part of that you know setting up uh, i think there's they should set up uh, a system of black hospitals and black uh you know uh, full scholarships for black people to go to medical school actually you should just make uh just make our education you know, put it back to 1950 standards in the first, at any rate. And then, um you know, create, create black hospitals, create black hospitals and, and uh, you know, fully fund them. So, and have one, say like one in each state, at least, you know, so that, cause uh, hell man, if I were black, I'd be, you know, no, no wonder they're, they're, uh they get sick, at greater rate, they don't trust the hospitals as well. They shouldn't shit like this. Both Dr. Moore saying that
2: she felt like they were treating her as a drug addict and doc, uh, instead of a doctor, um, even though they knew she was a fellow physician and it shouldn't take that. And what that means in your profession and what Terribly you see like the fact shit. that African-Americans like Dr. Moore are dying no at an astronomical rate of COVID-19. Already the country is in, uh, across the country, people are dying, the worst uh, record for deaths in the world. But the African-American community is particularly
0: hard hit yep yeah thank you so much um every time I hear they the don't video, want to go to the hospitals because of this shit it feels really familiar um the work that we do i just with- want
1: to bet maybe they're you know this guy is part of a white supremacist group and uh, got the words to uh to do this to black people you know while he's he's uh these arseholes, they're they're encouraged you know they band together and then they uh With their racist ideologies and it's a uh, it's a form of terrorism it's the greatest threat according to the fbi white supremacy it's the greatest threat in our country today
0: we with the national birth equity collaborative working on black maternal health we found that black patients black birthing people are not valued they're not listened to so when um, it felt very familiar because i've heard it many many times if you see the stories over the last few years around you know, the fact that we're three to four times more likely to die in childbirth than our white counterparts in places like New York City, eight to ten times more likely to die. She's explaining to us how that happens. When you come to a place and people do not evaluate you for your pain, they don't believe you, you have to have a, a CAT scan they
3: don't to want prove to touch that you. you have
0: pain. There's not that that doesn't even seem logical to most uh, providers, that if you were to come in, that's actually the complaint about expending too much money in health care. That was a wasted resource. You don't need to get a CAT scan to prove pain. That's not something that we normally... Reparations,
1: uh, was the word I was looking for. Reparations. That's far... Part of reparations project there should be black hospitals with with black doctors, black everything, and,
0: uh, so black people can go there. And we do. We only do that to black patients, to patients we don't believe, to brown patients, to indigenous folks. When we say, well, well, you gotta prove pain because you're superhuman, that goes also back to what Dr. Jones was talking about, this legacy and this history of a belief in a biological basis of race. They've done studies to prove that medical students believe we have thicker skin, medical students. And I'm not saying that we're picking on the medical students, but they're being taught by deans and professors who are saying things like black people have thicker skin. I mean, I was taught in my own medical school in the late 1990s, which is not that long ago, that there were three biological races, Mongoloid, Caucasoid, and Negroid. So that belief and that language that there's a biological reason that we don't feel pain and that we're superhuman and that we're... And it's, it's, it's also, it's interesting to see that she was fighting for herself. She knew the right words. He even threatened her, if you hear her. She said, I'll put you out at 10 o'clock at night. We've seen those kind of things happen where we tell patients, if you don't act right, I'm not going to give you this epidural, right? This threatening around, if you don't behave the way I want you to behave, I will then punish you because you're asking to be valued and so not to be in pain. You're asking for things that are basic human needs, and therefore I don't think you deserve those things, so let me punish you for even asking to be seen as human.
2: So in the piece that the four of you wrote, all African-American women doctors in the Washington Post, um, you compare the death of Dr. Susan Moore um, with the police killing of George Floyd. Um, Dr. Joya Creer Perry, you are not only a doctor in the hospitals of this country, but you were in the streets protesting George Floyd's
0: death. Can you talk about what you see as the connection? Well, there's an overriding arching policing of blackness. It, it, it was in law for the beginning. If you think about, like, after Reconstruction, we were, the people were, um, we're told that they should make sure that black folks don't go into certain neighborhoods, that we're not allowed if you catch a slave running away. You see these videos of even like yeah, um, recently in New York City, a woman saw her phone was missing and she assumed that a black child had taken it and went to attack the child. It felt that she had perfect the permission as a white woman to attack a 14 year old child, assuming that they had stolen the phone. So that belief that um, we're supposed to be policed and organized and planned and controlled is embedded in policing and in healthcare. How we police women's bodies and it's women plus being black, both things, gendered racism together, really gets the outcomes that we see. So that through line, I don't want us to blame that. We Sometimes we'll focus on the doctor who took care of um, Dr. Moore in Indiana. And yes, perhaps he should get some kind of accountability for his individual behavior. Yes. But the structure, the structural racism is the undergirding of both our police system and our healthcare system. The belief in needing to control, the belief in needing to, um, to, to not value, to not listen to people that were not having a co-created patient plan. And when we talk about patients, we talk to things, we say things like we want to have um, co-created, and we want to make sure that we have shared decision-making. If you don't believe in the person that you're sharing this decision-making with, if you think that they are not fully capable and not fully human, then there's never really any shared decision-making. It's authoritarian. And so that's the same thing that happens in policing. So if we are going to undo the racism that's in this country, we have to start first with some truth, some historical truth about how we got here, and some current truth about what happens today. So Dr. Susan Moore's video gives us just the same way that George Floyd's video did. We're not just looking at numbers or data. We actually see the people who are being murdered, who are dying, hear their stories, see them as fully human, and say, "Why, why would we ever do that? any human being ever. Then we want all people to have justice and joy. Then we want them all to be able to thrive. We wanted George Floyd to still be here, and we also want Dr. Susan Moore to still be here. So how do we use their history, their legacy, to build a better world for all of us?
2: On Tuesday, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris received a COVID-19 vaccination on live TV at the United Medical Center in Washington's predominantly Black Anacostia neighborhood.
3: I have now
1: It's the Trista. Let's see what's going
3: on in the world. Now, been vaccinated, as Joe likes to say. There's a big difference between the vaccine and vaccinations. I want to encourage everyone to get the vaccine. It is relatively painless. It happens really quickly. It is safe. Um, How how can
1: you be so sure, Sweetie? Because uh, they've only had like two months uh, to 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 make it, and it's been rushed out.
3: The Pfizer today. I had the Moderna vaccine. My husband is going to have it today as well. I look forward to getting the second vaccine. And literally, this is about saving lives. It's literally about saving lives. I trust the scientists. And it is the scientists who created and approved this vaccine. So I urge everyone, when it
0: is your turn, get vaccinated. So, of hey, course. I have a
1: question for you, Amy. Why didn't she take the Pfizer one? Why did she take the. Um, Ma- Moderna.
2: Uh, the vice president-elect, Kamala Harris, will be the first African-American and African-American woman vice president in U.S. history. And she was injected by Patricia Cummings. She was vaccinated by this African-American nurse who is the daughter of Guyanese immigrants. The significance, um, Dr. Kamara Phyllis Jones, of seeing this image Clearly, in the black community of Washington, D.C., being vaccinated by a black woman, the black woman vice president-to-be, the message that is being sent, uh, as African-American studies show, are perhaps 40% are now willing to get a vaccine. What do you think needs to be overcome for the black community to feel more comfortable with this vaccine, given the history, you said, for example, of Marion Sims, considered the father of modern gynecology, experimenting on enslaved women?
3: The first thing is that we don't need to go out trying to convince people to get the vaccine, we need to honor and hear their questions, answer their questions. And in some cases, the answer to the question could be, I don't know, because there is a lot that we still don't know about the long term effects of the vaccine or the rare effects. But I do have to say that um, when you look at the benefits and the risks, um, I have decided that when my turn in line comes, I will get the vaccine because even though there is uncertainty, there are things that we don't know because the virus is new and the vaccine is newer. You know, we haven't been studying it long and we haven't studied it in a whole lot of people, yeah, but the the, song song we live with uncertainty strong, you know. in our lives. I am willing to live with the uncertainty associated with the vaccine as opposed to dying with COVID-19, which is a much bigger risk. The whole issue is a risk Benefit analysis. This is both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have shown themselves to be highly, highly effective. So what we need to do is not try to say, oh, those people, why don't they just get over that history? Or those people, why do they have all these questions or this distrust? First of all, we need to make sure that we evidence trustworthiness in all of our systems going forward. Dr. Susan Moore's uh, example was not an example that engenders a feeling of you know, trust because the system was not trustworthy in her case. So all of our systems, if we want to convince people to get the vaccine, have to evidence themselves to be trustworthy. And we as a nation need to say we honor your lives, not just when you get the vaccine, but we honor your lives and we're going to provide the support you need to safely shelter in place. We're going to provide the regulations that the workplaces need, that if you have to go to work, they are safe workplaces. We're gonna provide you with the PPE that you need as a grocery clerk or as a bus driver or a warehouse worker to keep you safe. It's not just, oh, now that we have the vaccine, we want to convince you to take the vaccine because, well, maybe we're worried about herd immunity and we're really not worried about you at all, but you know, to get to herd immunity, we need to do this. No. Be trustworthy in all ways and be about my people, my community, my health in all ways. That's the evidence that is going to really convince people that yes, maybe I should take the vaccine. But I have to say at the individual level right now, risk benefit, I, I, I agree. I can live with the uncertainty because these two vaccines in particular have shown themselves to be highly efficacious. I wanna put this question to Dr. Joya Career-Perry. In 2018,
2: tennis star Serena Williams and her husband, the Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian, welcomed into the world their daughter, Alexis Olympia Ohanian Jr. The baby was born by an emergency C-section. Williams told Vogue magazine how she self-diagnosed a life-threatening emergency after giving birth. Shortly after delivering, the tennis star suddenly felt out of breath and assumed she was having a pulmonary embolism given her history of blood clots. I wanna read from the 2018 piece in Vogue by Rob Haskell that describes Serena Williams' birth experience. Quote, she walked out of the hospital room so her mother wouldn't worry and told the nearest nurse between gasps that she needed a CT scan with contrast and IV heparin, the blood thinner, right away. The nurse thought her pain medicine might be making her confused, but Serena insisted. And soon enough, a doctor was performing an ultrasound of her legs. I was like, a Doppler? I told you I need a CT scan and a heparin drip, she remembers telling the team. The ultrasound revealed nothing, so they sent her for the CT. And sure enough, several small blood clots had settled in her lungs. Minutes later, she was on the drip. I was like, listen to Dr. Williams. So, Dr. Joya Creer perry you are president of the National Birth Equity Collaborative. Talk about the significance of what Serena Williams brought to life when it comes to um, postpartum deaths of African-American
0: women. Thank you. You know, also, I want to hear the, show the through line between Dr. Susan Moore and Serena Williams. Both of them are experts on their bodies, and they were seen as not experts, right? They both said this is what's happening, this is what I need. And the more that they could articulate expertise, the more that the people around them didn't know what to do with them because they were so accustomed to the bias inside of them saying, these people aren't experts. They don't know what they're talking about. Why? I know better. I'm the one that they control. And that is the tension that we see when it comes to racism as a structure. I don't want us to once again focus on individuals, but really the structures of how this plays out. So for us, we knew when we found out about six years ago that through Amnesty International and the U.N. had sanctioned the United States around the fact that we had the worst outcomes for birthing people in the world and that black people were three to four times more likely to die within a year of childbirth than their white counterparts, that we saw that we knew that the language was going to be, of course they died. They're so fat. They don't listen. They don't go to the doctor. All the blaming and shaming that normally happens to communities of color, the same thing that happened during COVID-19. Of course they're dying. They have all these pre-existing illnesses. Of course they all live together and they don't follow instruction. Meanwhile, we're more likely to put a mask on than anybody else. We're more likely, we clean not only other people's houses, we clean our own houses, so we're usually extra sanitary because we're cleaning up for you and for ourselves. So this idea of blaming and shaming, we knew that was gonna be the language. So Serena Williams was so important because it showed that a person with wealth, with stature, with grace, was once again not believed. So I've seen as a poor historian of her own health, even though if anybody, she's paid her entire life since she was a child. Around her health, she knows her body better than anybody because she 's a professional athlete. Professional athletes know everything about their bodies because that 's how they make money that 's how they live for them not to listen to serena. Man, what does that mean for people like Susan Moore or like me or like any of us for from birthing to um elder care it's the same through line of disbelief of not having trust. When you talk to patients our work when we talk to patients that works with hospital systems from big ones like kaiser to little ones in kalamazoo michigan every one of them the, what the patients want when we talk to patients is to be trusted they want you to think and know that no matter their skin color no matter their gender no matter their where they live that they are want justice and joy that they uh, are want that they are, are good historians you don't write things down like non-compliant when you're doing those things you're blaming and shaming the patient you're really not thinking about all the things that could be happening so serena coming forth and talking about her She also reminds me so much around how she walked outside because she didn't want to scare her family members. That's typical black woman, right? Like, I don't want anybody to get upset, so let me just go out here and just mention right quick that I might be dying and this is what I need. And then she knew exactly the same way that Dr. Susan Moore did. These are the medicines that I need, this is the testing that I need. And unfortunately, when we show expertise as black people, because we have not been historically seen as experts about anything but people don't know what to do with that. So nurses, doctors, systems, cultures, when we show up as the expert, we can feel the nervousness that others have around our expertise. But we're like, that's your bias, not ours. That's your assumptions about who I'm supposed to be, the box you put me into. And wouldn't it be amazing for all of us to let go of all those boxes, to see Serena, Dr. Moore, to see our patients who live in Bogalusa, Louisiana, anywhere as experts in their own bodies, that they have value, that they have thoughts and ideas that are amazing, no matter where you live, no matter your race or your gender. And that's really what we've learned through the Black maternal health work, working inside of hospitals, that when you look at your data, you disaggregate your data, without question, Black patients receive pain management later, they get their hypertension treated later, and you can really undo that. You can stop with a structure in yeah. the system and say, we are devaluing people and we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to really see all of them and believe them and trust them and invest in them and make sure that they all can be seen in the future.
2: Talking about through lines, as we wrap up, Dr. Joya Creer-Perry, I think of Erica Garner, who was a Mm -hmm. guest on our show a number of times, fierce fighter against police brutality. Erica was the daughter, of course, of Eric Garner, um, who was killed by police in Staten Island. Erica would die just after giving birth to her second child when she was just 27 years old. Um, We did a show on Erica and um, Serena Williams showing that um, through line. Um, As we wrap up, a final thought on the Lancet study that you did, uh, the respected international medical journal called Moving Towards Anti-Racist Praxis in Medicine.
0: Yeah and I just want to um, highlight that through line. She died from cardiomyopathy. She was, her heart was enlarged. Just think about that. The stress of trying to fight for the value of her father and for his death not to be ignored and to, be, and to hold the policeman accountable ultimately caused her heart to weaken the stress of having to fight for humanity. For years we like to blame genetics on cardiomyopathy and looking for what the gene is that makes people's heart weaker. But we know that your stress, your mental health impacts your physical health. And until we undo racism, we're going to see Black folks having higher rates of obesity, higher rates of hypertension, and higher rates of cardiomyopathy. And that through line of racism is consistent for all of us. And that's what's shortening all of our lives. So we need that to end. Um, but And that's what we talk about in this anti-racism practice. If I was taught in medical school as I was, I was taught that there were three biological races, that's racism. Racism was not created by God. Racism was not created by, um, by medicine. Those things have been, racism was created by people who wanted to hold power and wealth. And so our job is to fight for equality and justice and joy and to say how do we undo all these places inside of medicine where we say that black people have different lungs or different Kidney um, capacity or different pelvis shapes. I was taught that we have a different shape of our pelvis. How could that possibly be? When it's just melanin production that makes us different. That's the only one difference. Our pelvis and our melanin has nothing to do with each other. So really undoing those racist ideas that we were all taught inside of medicine well, so that we can have anti-racism.
2: I want to Sorry. thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Joya Creer-Perry, president of the National Birth Equity Collaborative, and Dr. Kamara Phyllis Jones, family physician, epidemiologist, past president, of American Public Health Association, teaching at both Emory School of Public Health as well as the Morehouse School of Medicine. We will link to the piece they co-authored with two other African-American women doctors in the Washington Post, Say Her Name dr susan moore when we come back the truth in black and white an apology from the kansas city star stay with us